Hello and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. Today, I'm at the glorious Elmley Nature Reserve on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent. With over 3,000 acres of wilderness to explore, this family farm has a collection of cottages and shepherd's huts that are perfect for getting away from it all or celebrating those special moments. I'm delighted to be joined by Georgina, whose father opened Elmley nearly 40 years ago. I can't wait to hear all about the story behind this incredible space and what the next chapter looks like. Georgina, welcome to Curated Spaces. Oh, thank you so much, Molly. It's lovely to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm on the glorious Isle of Sheppey in Kent. What a beautiful day for it. I know. It's, gosh, it's been what a summer. And then actually, <laughs> the last few days has been glorious when that gorgeous September weather. And it's um, what a beautiful day you've got for it. I know. And this view, we sat down in, in, the, in the cottage here. Yep, in Elmley Cottage. Elmley Cottage, a beautiful view. But before we go into the space, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background and how you've ended up here at Elmley. Yep. So actually, funny enough, I don't have a background in travel or hospitality or indeed a farm or a nature reserve. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but actually we had, as um, Molly, um, you said, we've um, had the unusual um, opportunity um, back about 10 years ago to get involved in running a National Nature Reserve um, and actually being relatively young and impetuous, <laughs> we <laughs> just thought, not? why not? Um, so my background's actually um, marketing, but um, B2B, so incredibly different. Um, so, but um, yeah been a fun challenge amazing i can't wait to dive into that with you but before we do let's just set the scene for people listening at home do you mind giving us a bit of a flavor about where in the world we are right now yeah um exactly we're on the isle of sheppey um which actually is only about 40 miles from london but a lot of people haven't heard of it um so it's not in scotland <laughs> it's just um it's part of the thames estuary um and it's um we are looking out of the window here and we're looking across it's an actual island separated by the swell estuary and um, we can see the mainland um see whitstable around the corner so if people know that part of the world it's sort of near to whitstable canterbury um so actually um North Kent, really close, really accessible, but actually it feels like a million miles away. It's, it's a real island. Yeah, so I actually drove down from London this morning, so quick, hour and a half, um, and then went over a little, over the bridge, ferry lane, and ended up on the island. And I just thought I never even knew about this place until about a month ago when I sort of discovered it. Yeah, it's it's incredibly beautiful, actually, but it's always been quite cut off, really, um, because, because it is a real island and it's got the little bridge that goes over it it's yeah it's slightly slightly hidden away um and it hasn't really had the sort of excitement factor that say like margate and whitstable and places like that um it's still really undiscovered and actually it's got the most incredible history on the island um it's amazing it's actually the birthplace of british aviation <laughs> um yeah um but yeah so really incredible little stories um 
Um, and actually, just the wildlife here is a really, really special place um, with the um, with the estuary. Just um, a really, really important place for wildlife, which is why we're here. Exactly. Well, let's get into that. So your dad had the opportunity to get involved at Elmley. Tell me about how that all came about. Yeah. So he um, is um, is an incredible guy. Um, he is um, quite <laughs> single-minded and quite focused. Um, so he um, is a, well, started his life as a very traditional farmer um, and actually... Um, then got into nature conservation in the late 70s, early 80s, um, and had the opportunity um, to look into that more um, and was actually incredibly pioneering. So back in those days, the idea of managing land for wildlife wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really, wasn't, yeah, it was fairly unheard of. So he was definitely an outlier among his peers. Um, but he actually, he, when he moved up here, it was farm, farmed very intensively um, since really the well, Middle Ages part of it's been um, farmed, but definitely since the Victorian times. I mean, the, the huge barn that we can see out there, it's a beautiful um, black Victorian barn, um, uh, which is an amazing event space, but it used to be a grain store because of the amount of arable um, there was that would be full of, full of grain, that huge barn. Um, and um, and it was still being farmed intensively up until the, um, up until the 70s. Um, and actually he um, amazingly set about in the late 70s, early 80s, um, restoring nature to here um so actually you can see looking out of the window all the all the ditches and the rills um and actually just filled with birds filled with wildlife um so but actually it was a real labor of love you know 30 years work to be transforming this place to the amazing site for wildlife that it is today yeah and then you decided to come on board and you had the opportunity to get involved and how has the farm changed or the, the site changed since you came on board and started putting our own little twist on things here. Yeah, so so as we've talked about, um, Dad was incredibly pioneering in, in, in setting it up um, as a nature reserve. Um, and actually it was the only, um, set up as the only uh, farming owned um, national nature reserve in the country, farm, uh, farming owned and managed. Um, and um, incredible place for wildlife like it still is today. Um, but we're not really for visitors. So the visitor access to the reserve was managed by one of the wildlife charities, um, but on quite a small scale. And for various reasons, they they decided not to continue. So that's when we had the opportunity to get involved. And actually, we looked at it and we were just like, yeah, it's a great place to come in the daytime. But actually, it's the nights that are extraordinary. And just staying the night here, I mean, I, I was pregnant at the time. My husband kept on waking me up about four in the morning. I'm saying, look at the view. And, you know, in the in the summer and, the, you know, four in the morning when the sun was rising and it was just extraordinary. As Molly, you can see, um, it's so flat, um, but it's just you've got all the rills snaking through all the water meadows. Um, and when the sun comes up, it's almost like a savannah. Um, and at dawn when the birds are out there um, and you've got the owls hunting getting their early morning breakfast and hares wandering around it is just extraordinary and it seemed bonkers to us that people were coming in in the daytime and leaving and not seeing those dawn and dust where the wildlife is special special but the views and the sunrise it's almost like a sort of african landscape um and it was so obvious to us that we need to have people here to stay the night you know the, the day you know coming up for the day is one thing but ha people have to experience this at night time it's so funny you say Savannah. As soon as you said that, I was like, yes, this maybe it's the heat, but yeah. this this could be a safari. We've got like packs, not packs, you know, with a herd of cows <laughs> wandering by the water meadows. Like if it wasn't for the it's like wind turbines at the back, this could be the heart of Africa, it feels like. No, you're, you're totally not the first person to say that. And actually the um 
the um it's it's very um sensitively grazed so um the the, the cows um are, f- are fairly free roaming and they're just separated by ditches so we don't have any fences and um, we're completely off grids so there are no power cables um kind of that. so actually it's a very very unspoiled um landscape um, which is incredible you can just see for miles yeah so so you touched on just then this unspoiled landscape you then thought let's get people to stay the night to really experience it you know 24 7. so you you start to think about bringing these visitors in but how did you sort of balance that having people to stay, but not wanting to spoil or disrupt this really peaceful, like you say, off-grid um, space that you have? Yeah, really interesting um, conversation to have, actually, because for us, it felt very natural and having people to stay um, felt like the right thing. We, we're we um, obviously very passionate about the reserve, but we're also one of our things is it's really it's about the access to it, it's about accessibility to it and inclusivity in nature. Yeah. Um, and actually, there, there is a thing, particularly 10 years ago, that actually nature reserves weren't seen necessarily for the all. Mm-hmm. Um, they're people who perhaps had access to a car or yeah. had a, um, or, you know, or were brought up doing it. And actually not many people w- w- would visit a nature reserve. And actually for us, it was about bringing people to it who wouldn't normally visit a reserve um, for whatever reason. Um, and, um, and actually giving them a much deeper understanding of it. Because if you're coming in and out for the day, um, it's a much more fleeting visit. While staying over the night, it's a much... You've got the chance to really engage with it. You don't need to know. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to know what the birds you're looking at is. It's just about sitting and being in it and, and coming overnight and staying is, it felt sort of a much more natural way for us to experience it. Um, but but it's interesting you say that because we had you know a lot of conversations with our stakeholders, the nature bodies who who help look after the place, who just because at the time, I mean, going, we we're only going back 10 years. It wasn't that long ago, but the concept of then of, spending the night um, and immersing in nature just wasn't, you know, they were quite worried about it because they said, well, there's going to be loads of disturbance. And from our point of view, it actually felt a much less intrusive way to experience it of just quietly coming in, spending the night rather than sort of driving in and, in and out in the daytime. And that's what you say like 10 years ago and now it's all about going off grid, having a detox, disconnecting from your phone, your life, like finding somewhere remote and just settling in. But actually, that is, again, is such a shift that's really, I think, come to life in the last few years. So again, you were slightly ahead of that curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we we just did what we what we felt natural. As I said, we don't have a background in hospitality and also don't have a background in, in nature reserves. Um, so, but we were a young couple. Um, we loved going and staying in beautiful places. And actually, we really kind of fed off the... The, you know, around 10 years ago, it was that new wave of gorgeous boutique hotels that were just sort of coming in. So, you know, the pig was just starting, artist residence, you know, beautiful brands like that who were much more about relaxed, wholesome, um, wholesome boutique spaces. So we, you know, we took a lot of inspiration from people like that. Um, but we were like, we can bring that to, to a nature reserve. So it's about immersing in nature, but actually with style, with it, with the quality and style. Um, but 10 years ago, people thought we were mad. Um, and um, I mean, we had a lot of... Um, people you would say to us well why on earth you know when you can stay in a gorgeous country house hotel or, or in a lovely pub why why would you stay in a hut hut on an island on an island yeah, yeah. <laughs> with only hares and owls for company <laughs> and obviously now nowadays that sounds like a great thing but 10 years ago i think the concept of it was it, it was so new and it wasn't that long ago yeah yeah i love it and you have some really gorgeous old barns the the old farmhouse when you thought about making spaces for people to stay overnight was your gut to look at those first and work for what you got, or were you always keen to go down this cabin, shepherd's hut uh, route? 
Well, actually, it developed quite organically. We we did we did have a vision of how we wanted the site to be, um, and we really wanted to um, 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 look after the barn and the houses on it. And actually, is you know, a, obviously, our main focus is the nature restoration, but it's also the heritage restoration. I mean, it's an amazing. Um, Georgian site and the beautiful building so it was a really important to restore it but it was a journey um and um and because what we were doing was quite a new concept um we um we didn't have a huge amount of investment to start with so we actually grew up quite organically and actually we did you know we started doing everything ourselves you know we're doing the cooking the cleaning and actually really you know actually really going in you know immersing ourselves in that world in the nature reserve learning about the reserve learning about learning about looking after people learning about hospitality and actually we the, the site developed quite organically from that, which actually I think has, has suited it well. Um, you know, rather than us coming with a blueprint that we were just sort of shoehorn on it, it, it actually, which obviously there are places where, you know, that, that works fantastically, but, but here it's such a unique place. And actually we really need to learn it and bring it in the, the seasons. We always talk about micro seasons here where things change. I mean, just by Every day there's surprise, um, and you know, and the the sky will change, or there'll be a different wildlife spectacle. And actually, we needed to learn that to work out how best to position things. And and we were, we know, we were, we were always a little bit OCD about um, about where we're putting, you know, the angles where we're placing things, so you know, to get the best sunrise or to get the best angle of things, and, and where the light hits. So actually, the design's really been really been driven by um, by the site itself, um, by um, by that and everything, everything is about you. Yeah, well, you were saying, weren't you? And you're like, just everything we've done has been to champion and celebrate that view wherever we can. And I love that that was your starting point for all your designing and your developing. It all came back to one thing and that was like celebrating the space that was already here. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it still is. Obviously, you know, 10 years in, um, we, we started with three huts. We've now got eight. Obviously, the, the house you talked about, we, we restored, which was an amazing project to do. Um, so, and we've got the cottage we're sitting in at the moment. Um, so there's, um, there, there are a lot of faces there, but actually the, the vision of, of, of how to enjoy it, which is essentially lying in bed with a cup of tea or a glass of wine, um, is, is, is really holds true. So we've always been quite careful about making sure that people have access to, to the, the site and actually the um, facilities that we can give people, but actually you want to be there and feel like it's your own little world and um, and and that's what it's about really yeah and do you find there's a particular type of person or guest that comes to stay and what are they trying to get out of it is it escaping from the big smoke is it having that time to reconnect with themselves and whoever they're with or is it something else entirely yeah i mean in terms of types of people it's amazingly broad and, and that's actually what we love about it so much we get a lot of local people we have people from the island who've you know come two miles yeah. <laughs> um, to come and stay here or people from scotland or you know um and all different ages all different backgrounds but actually they are, are really coming for the same thing they, they want to escape exactly as you say um they want to reconnect we, we do get a lot of solo travelers which is really lovely um especially um, um females coming on their own it's quite a nice safe place to come and be in nature um, um but also lovely for groups as well um so it's a lovely place to gather um and because it's um because it's such a large space and we've got so many different options um we can have you know just small little gatherings of, of a family get together or up to you know whole site takeovers for for big celebrations i did think as i was driving down the like lovely long road to the main sort of i guess like complex the little cluster of bell tents that just you see them from afar and they get closer and closer and then you drive past and you're saying wouldn't this just be the best place to grab a bunch of your friends and pile in for the weekend and I could just so imagine you get all sorts of people but all here for that disconnection and reconnection with the space and their, and their friends their family yeah 
yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, the tents are really fun. Um, and actually, um, there was something we added note after COVID, um, but it worked really well. So we keep it. And actually, because they're much simpler, it's a much, it's like an easier price point for people to come in at. Um, and, and they're really fun. And also for kids as well. I mean, who, you know, it's a nice way to go camping and, you know, we could do them pizza and a bar to <laughs> make things easier. Yeah. And you just, you just mentioned the C word there. So let's talk a bit about COVID and like, how was that for here? I know all over the country it has such huge implications for the for hotels, travels, places to stay. So did it impact Elmley at all? Yeah, I mean, as as it did everyone, it's been, and I, as we were talking about earlier, I think, you know, we're still feeling the after effects and actually what um, it was, we, we do a lot of events here. Um, and so there were, you know, huge, huge changes with, with that as well. Um, but we, you know, we tried a lot of stuff out and actually we, we had a really fun couple of years afterwards where we, we turned the farmhouse into individual rooms, which was really fun and stepped into that more traditional hotel model, um, which was you know, actually it was really fun. It was nice just going into like doing a more traditional restaurant and a bar um, 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 and just having a, a few fun years, just kind of learning about that side of things. Um, and then actually now we sort of come out of that. Um, we're sort of getting back to really getting back to basics again, really sort of honing in what it's about, um, actually going back to the view <laughs> and actually what people are coming for. And, um, and so actually we're, we're now actually in the process of um, the houses now um, um being converted back into a whole house, which is um, actually really exciting. That's kind of in response to a lot of guest demand as people, you know, it's a gorgeous space and want to be there sharing sharing as a whole house. So it's been a real journey. And it's and re- as we said earlier, you know, I can't believe it was, you know, it was over three years ago. And, you know, we have been fully back over for ages, but I think those sort of aftershocks um, and things do, you know, when you've made those changes and adaptations, um, do do last for quite a while, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and especially on a very annual cadence, really. You've got yeah. summer coming and then you have sort of maybe lower season, winter can stop, we, t- you know, we take stock, think about what you want to change, but then there's a whole year before you can really do summer again in a different way kind of thing. And I guess you're always thinking much further ahead than maybe somewhere in inner city London where you can change for the next season, autumn, winters, you've got so many chances to reinvent yourself, whereas here it's a much slower time frame. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think yeah, it it is um it is slow, particularly with yeah, I've said for the events and things like that, that plans quite far far out as well. Um, so yeah, so there yeah, the changes um do do take a little while to take take effect. Um, but actually we, we're really lucky. We've got quite a we've got an amazing team actually. Um, and they've stayed with us through the journey. Yeah, well, the team does make space. And how are most of your employees are they local or do they come in? Yeah, most um pretty pretty local within within about half an hour actually. Um, which which is amazing. Um, because it's such a beautiful place to work. Actually, we've been really lucky of finding really fab people who are just so passionate about it. And actually, that's a big thing of what we want to show to people obviously it's about coming relaxing in nature but you want to be looked after when you're here too <laughs> um, and we we try and occupy a sort of middle ground between a sort of traditional hotel and that sort of classic airbnb rental actually you can have the services we can have food but you can have treatments you can have experiences but actually you can be left alone as well um and actually our staff are um a really really big part of that um and actually treat everyone quite individually. So whatever they're coming for, we can we can look after it. And it helps that they love the place so much yeah. um, and want to just share it with people. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, locals come and just enjoy the space for the day, have a coffee, lunch, enjoy the beach, the swimming pond. Um, it really feels like you've made the space 
really part of the island and you haven't put up a big concrete wall around the side. You've really made a space where local people can come and enjoy it just as much as guests and other people. No, exactly. And as we were talking about at the beginning, it is that inclusivity side of things. I mean, one of the things we were, we were quite shocked about when we first moved here um, was that we'd local people say come for a wedding and people have lived on the island their entire lives and either didn't know it existed or didn't think it was somewhere for them which is just really sad actually was you know so much nature here such a such an amazing place for people just to come relax um be in um and actually it, ha- it has to be open for them to come and enjoy it um and and the site is so large um that actually it doesn't need to impact people can come for a walk on their own they can come as a group and actually the accommodation can still be very private and um and people can still feel like they have it themselves well yeah it's really cleverly done actually the cabins they're all sort of tucked just around the corner or just behind the hedgerows so actually if you stand in one point you can kind of see them they're kind of clustered close together but actually when you're actually there you can't see your neighbours. You're looking out on, on the on the African savannah, and you just feel like you've got the whole island yourself almost. Well, I did say I was quite obsessive about, about the ankles. We were putting them in. I was like, right, let me just get a couple of millimetres. Left a bit, left a bit, yeah. Um, but particularly, actually, most of them have outdoor baths, so you know we we, we have to make them quite private. <laughs> Otherwise, people who are bird watching might get a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> particularly when people have a big telescope exactly <laughs> and you were saying as well about the seasons and actually how you love winter here and yeah. the wildlife is just crazy yeah. then winter here and actually that when we were first starting that was something that we was really important to us even though we were building remote cabins it had to be somewhere that people could stay in the winter because the winter is I mean it's just incredible you have the spectacle of all the birds that come down from Scandinavia and northern Europe um, to basically come to sunny sunny Kent for the for the winter <laughs> and feed up um, to lay to lay head back, so you get these tens of thousands of wildfowl and wading birds come down, and because they're there, all the birds of prey will come in. So you'll see them a peregrine falcon swooping across the marsh. Um, so you know there's huge views filled with birds, and then you know, a falcon will come and and put them all up, and and it's just I mean it is incredible watching it. It really is. So um, they they had to be beautiful for winter. So you know a few of them have got wood burning stoves in them, so you can really cozy up. They're all got fire pits outside they're all made to feel I mean they're beautiful in the summer when they're and we, we haven't talked about this we've all got glass ends yes. um, which is amazing in the summer when you can fling it open um, but actually you know lovely in, you know um, double glaze when it's and when they're closed they're cosy you can draw the curtains and hunker down and, and actually we'll deliver food to you <laughs> which is a nice thing so you can just we'll just drop off a ham for a nice um, a nice warming meal and you just hunker down it so yeah winter's really special here I love that story you were telling me about the cabins themselves and you were kind of looking for them what 10 years ago and you had a vision but you couldn't quite find what you were looking for so you just had to go bespoke yeah and it's so it's so interesting having this chat actually looking back um, and seeing actually how much has changed yeah the idea of that kind of immersing in nature and comfort it just wasn't yeah. a thing and as to those ideas the tiny house movement was just about starting um sort of quite a lot of spaces in america and canada but nothing really in the uk and we were sort of we were getting inspired by these amazing places over over across the atlantic and there just wasn't really anything we could see here we knew what we wanted we wanted to be able to lie in bed <laughs> and look at the view um and we just couldn't find anything and anything um um that did that um and so actually we um we spent 
ages scouring places and we came across um, Plankbridge um, so founded by Richard Lee who actually is a um, traditional shepherd's hut maker so he's an incredible craftsman um, but actually a real visionary as well so he came down amazing he came all the way from Dorset to come and visit us he got it straight away and he knew and so together we um, we worked really collaboratively with him to design what we wanted and actually he yeah he built these amazing huts to, to our design with this um, yeah, a bed and then this you know, huge big glazed end at the foot of the bed um, yeah. and so yeah thank god he got it because they are absolutely stunning aren't they and let's talk a bit about like food while we're here so people come you deliver them food amazing what kind of um is it locally sourced is it inspired by the seasons tell us a bit about your menu and how yeah. it comes to life no no exactly um it's really it's everything's um yeah inspired by the seasons but it's um also inspired by the experience really as i said you know we we used to run a more traditional restaurant um, here, but actually, we we really felt you know respond to what guests want. We we felt it's more about actually bringing the food to the guests and actually fitting it in with their experience. Their experience is about relaxing in nature, and and being looked after. So actually, it's more about bringing food to them. So in the summer, obviously. It's like- fresh salads and you know people can go and have a picnic on the beach um and something they can transport um to walk, uh, walk around with and in the winter it's you know hosts of gorgeous soups that we can put in a flask so obviously homemade beautifully you know seasonal soups to go on off on a picnic in the evening just lovely sort of just warming winter stews beef stews and yeah so you know we're, we're in kent so i mean i, I know every county says that but you know, yeah gardening in england so you know the produce is incredible um it really is and we're surrounded um by the most amazing farms um i mean just we can almost see it from across us um across the window there's um there's an amazing orchard there um and actually they make all our apple juice so it's amazing you can literally look at the farm we're drinking the apple juice for so um, we're very lucky where we are with all that well it's such a stunning space and i know you said you've recently transitioned post-covid back to what you were thinking a bit more pre-covid do you have any other things coming up any other sort of projects you're embarking on or um ideas you're exploring for the next chapter here at Elmley? Really, I think just as you said, just sort of really um, getting back to what's 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 true um, to the place. So, in, enhancing everything, um, people's experiences, whether it's with um, wellness treatments. So, we've recently partnered with a gorgeous brand called Verdon. Um, yeah, they're so they're, um, so beautiful, and actually, it fits the place so well. So, they do the most beautiful treatments with them. Um, and or wildlife experiences and just actually new ways for people to enjoy the space, whether it's on their own or as I said, with, with events. So that's in, increasingly really lovely, just getting people to gather and working out, um, working out the kind of the best ways for them to gather together and make the most of the space. Um, but also I think probably almost the, the biggest thing for us is really is really the nature side of things. That that is the reason we're here. That 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 is what Elmley's for. Um, and actually, as you talked about, it, it's been the most incredible place for nature restoration for forty years or so. It, it still is. We we still work hard every day to ensure we're doing our best for for nature recovery. Um, and also, you know, we're doing some amazing, um, really exciting projects for carbon capture and things at the moment. Um, but we what we were not very good at just talking about it. Um, so actually, we 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 really want to just. Um, actually do some more projects where guests can come and be involved in some of the projects and just learn a little bit more about it. So that's sort of the, the next sort of exciting chapter for us. That's really exciting. And yeah, with conservation, I guess it's a complete, we just said there's like this almost annual cadence to hospitality. I assume conservation is like, a decade planning or something like that how do you approach the two separately yeah i mean yeah, sometimes yeah sometimes they they sink and other times they really don't and it's just 
um, and actually, really, as I said, like it, you know, sometimes it's a decade, sometimes it's you know thirty, forty years. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes it's day to day. It's just, I mean, we um, the the seasons change and shift so much here, um, and um, and it's just, um, um, yeah, fitting fitting around it, and actually. Um, whether it's working on the sort of day-to-day. So our, our volunteers today have been doing an amazing project where they're, um, uh, they're researching our moths and they've got a whole table full of, um, of, of, of film cases full of moths and they're just identifying, you know, which is such an important piece of work, working out what we've got because that's obviously indicative of the insects, but also the birds they feed. And, and it's just all sort of being aware of the whole cycle. But then also looking further ahead, I mean, we've talked about our carbon capture projects. I mean, we are really, really aware here of climate change. I mean, that we can see the sea level rising we, we are we you know we we um we and see the sea wall yeah, yeah and, and, and we can see it and we can see how that that weather changes affect so our big um um what we're, we're quite well known for in the conservation world is our breeding waders so that's lapwing red shank um curlew um and um and how they um um um, and making sure they're breeding successfully and the weather changes and even you know in the last 10 years since we've been here we can really see how much drier it is and you know they need water and mm-hmm. and how how what, what changed so that's obviously something so important for us yeah. because we know you know in 10 20 years time the the sea might come over and we you know we because the level we can literally see the rising and the weather changing so it's that's such an important thing and it's always at the forefront of our minds really. I can really imagine and do you have any suspect like sustainability initiatives or um, I imagine you're pretty eco here off grid, but are there any major things that you do to keep um, these like carbon footprints as small as can be? Or? Yeah, I mean everything from every supply we use, um, we're very very um, carefully audited to make sure everything everything we're doing. But I mean the. One of the big things is we're, we, we're not on mains electricity, um, which is incredible for, you know, 40 miles from London and not being on mains electricity. So actually we've got an amazing battery system um, and, um, um, and we have solar. Um, so actually, but we have to be really responsible for power uses because if we didn't, we wouldn't have power. <laughs> um, but actually, you know, a lot of it is um, is obviously making sure that we're, we're you know, all the traditional ways that hotel would be towel usage, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, but also trying to go that step further and actually just engage people with it. So particularly with events, if we have a corporate event, we 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 um we will always try and um involve them in it. So we'll give them the opportunity to um to do some tree planting, to carbon offset. Oh, um and actually in some of our other carbon co- um, capture projects we're looking into such as um, blue carbon which is sort of um, um, storing carbon in salt marsh or seagrass so we've got some quite exciting projects happening with that which we actually we can people who are coming can actually think about their travel to us yeah and sort of really get involved cool. in that way and linking back to what you're saying about getting more people to come and play a part and you know actually get their hands dirty i think that's a really lovely way for people to make a really positive impact when it does come to something huge like climate change and like how do you even like you know do your bit and actually, like you say, making it accessible to everyone and inviting people to have a go at something which maybe they wouldn't have done before. Yeah, and you've got to make it enjoyable. I mean, it's hospitality. You know, it's 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 got to be it's got to be something that people are enjoying. You don't want to be you know people get beaten over the head with it so much everywhere you turn. And actually, people are coming here to relax and be on holiday. Actually, they don't want to get involved. They don't have to. But if they do, we we can talk to them about it in a way that's not scary or not. Um, and actually, it is really positive what we're doing here. You know, there you know. It is a really scary situation, but actually there are so many success stories here. And, you know, across the world of nature conservation and, and recovery and, and and there are new species that we find here that, you know, we had a large tortoiseshell butterfly here a couple of months ago that was, was thought to be extinct right. up, up, until, uh, up until a couple of years ago. So wow. actually, you know, the way it's, it's, it's about 
things being positive and actually because we've done nature economy for such a long time and the site you know as I said you know 40 years ago this was in, intensive arable and now it's like it is today yeah. it actually is it, about bringing the positivity to it um and actually i think you know it's people are coming to relax and yeah. you know it needs to be a happy story <laughs> exactly and i love that it's it's so hard to imagine looking out at these water meadows and the savannah that this was intensive farming like i just can't picture it and that's why i love so much about these chats is when there was a whole different story to this place, which I would just not have known about. So thank you so much for bringing that to life. Before we go, I do have a quick round of Dream uh, Spaces to play with you. Um, I need to ask you three questions. I imagine you've just won the lottery. Money's of no issue. Good, good. Um, and just, just let me know what space you, you think is. So number one, where are you going to escape to and get away from it all for a little detox? Oh, probably an island in Greece. Oh, gorgeous. Anywhere in particular? Or? Um, uh, Alonisos. Alonisos. Um, which is a little island in the Sporadis with nothing really there apart from nice beaches. <laughs> Perfect. A beach detox. I'm with yeah. you on that. And funny enough, it's actually also a nature reserve, so I can't really seem to get away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you couldn't say Emily, Emily is there. No. Perfect. Um, okay, next one is your ultimate birthday party. Where are you hosting it? Oh, um... Probably at home, um, actually, like, yeah, which isn't very exciting, but actually <laughs> just easy. <laughs> Go on, come to me. <laughs> I love that. I know everyone I play this with, they're like, God, it might actually be much more boring than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And then finally, once in a lifetime, bucket list trip, where are you going and are you staying anywhere special? Oh, actually, the trip I really want to do is Namibia. Oh, wow. Um, with, I've got three children and um, of all different ages, and I want to get a camper van. Um, I don't know if it will ever happen, but that would be my bucket list trip. Amazing. All of us in a camper van for the summer holidays. I mean, I'm not sure we one horse planted side. I don't know when that will ever happen. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But that's my bucket list. Remain optimistic. Yeah. I wonder how long it will be in a bucket list trip for after three weeks in the van. Yeah. <laughs> I know maybe it should be better in my head. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, Georgia, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been so nice to chat to you, Molly. Thank you so much for coming up. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Curated Spaces podcast. For more information and content around any of the spaces we feature, head to our website or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And if there's a special place in your life that you would like to hear on the Curated Spaces podcast, please do get in touch as we are always on the lookout for more brilliant spaces to share with the world.